it is good to see you. Uh, it was good to get a little rain last night. I'm glad to get a little, little water on the ground, but I was also glad that it was sunny this morning. Uh, I'm glad for those of you who were able to make it here today, for those of you who are online, if you're sick, you're on vacation, whatever, we're glad to see you too. We can't see you. We're glad you can see us. Um, don't we look good? Uh, you guys sounded great today. Uh, man, I love worshiping with you guys. What a, yeah, worshiping together is amazing. It is, uh, it has been a tough couple years. And the message that we have today in Romans is one of those ones that is just like, it's, it's getting inside me in, in a way that is powerful. And I want it to get inside you in a way that's powerful. So let's, let's study the word this morning. Uh, some of you know that the Queen of England died recently. She's 96 years old. And she reigned for like, I don't know, 60 something years or something. I'll pay attention because you pay attention. So that's <laughs> 70 years. Which is amazing, right? I guess. I don't know. Don't know a lot of kings and queens. So um, someone was saying to me how odd it is to think about the fact or realize that there are still countries with kings and queens. Uh, It's strange for those of us who have grown up and lived our whole lives in a democratic republic where there's no kings and queens or lords and ladies and all that kind of stuff to like think about that there's these like these kings and queens and princes and princesses. Uh, It's kind of weird to us, right? And honestly, in some ways, it's never the way God would have had us do things. There has always only been one true king. Always. There's always only been one true king. Uh, The Israelites wanted a king, not because it was a good thing to do, but because they wanted to be like the nations around them, right? Ultimately, they were rejecting God, who is the perfect king, the king of kings, for a human king. And I don't know if you've read the Bible, it did not always work out well for them to have kings. Um, frankly, it hasn't worked out that well for anyone who's tried to do it because we're not great at it. We're not great at it. But we do love like the romance of the idea. How many people watched? Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hands how embarrassing this would be. How many people watched like the royal wedding when what's his name was getting married? Prince. Come on. Act like you don't know his name. Prince what? William. Yeah. Come on, you guys. I don't, I don't know. I never paid attention at all. You watched the wedding. You got up at like four in the morning. I know you did. Um, People are into it, right? People are into it. The king, the queen, the princes, the princesses. Disney is making a bundle, a bundle of money on getting little girls to dress as little princesses and think that they're princesses and little boys to dress as princes, right? And they go to Disneyland or Disney World and they go take a picture with somebody else who's dressed up as a prince or a princess, you know, who's just come off their smoke break or whatever. Like they're not a prince or a princess, right? Like that's not the thing. You got to suspend all that. Right? Oh, it's Cinderella. No, that's not Cinderella. Um, but in any way, it, it, you know, it can be kind of cute with children, right? Or even adults sometimes. It can be kind of cute because here's the thing. People are special. People are special. So it can be kind of cute. It can be kind of weird. Um, but all the, the fairy tales, right? Good kings and good queens and brave princes and princesses. They're simply a shadow, of an actual reality that exists. There's a reason we're drawn to these stories over and over. There's a reason why in 2022, you can still make good money on shows that, ha- that are centered around that type of a thing. The, the new Lord of the Rings, Ring of Power show has come out recently on Amazon. You know, they spent like a billion dollars, which is, I think that's a lot of money. That's more than I make in a month. And so it's, you know, 
I don't know about you guys, but that's a lot of money. Why? Because they're going to make a fortune talking about kings and queens and princes and princesses and all this kind of thing, right? People love it. They love it. They love the romance surrounding the idea. And there's a reason why. Because it is, in fact, a shadow of reality. We, as believers, understand that there is a reality far better than we can imagine or understand. That there is one true king and that we who are in Christ are his children. You are his heir if you are in Christ, a child of God, sons and daughters of the king. Now that's a pretty amazing thing. It's a pretty amazing thing to think about. He's greater than any royalty that has ever been heard of on earth. By far and away, greater than anyone that exists. And he has a kingdom. And in his kingdom, all the men and women and children who confess with their mouths that they follow Christ as Lord and King and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead, they'll be saved from death and this wretched world and be made heirs, sons and daughters of God. We're into this idea. You're drawn to it because if you're in Christ, that's who you are. That brave prince or princess, the royal family. There's a real kids are like, yeah, I think that maybe, um, you know, I got lost and my parents, you know, I switched to the hospital. Really, I'm the child of like a king and queen somewhere, right? Really, I'm a prince or a princess. Like we have this romantic idea. We had this romantic idea because it's a real idea, way more than you could imagine that you are in fact heirs of the king. It's not just the rich or the powerful of this world, the ones that everybody wants to look at and be like, ooh, they're so wealthy, they're so powerful. It's not them. I'm not saying they can't also be sons and daughters of God, but that's, that's who the world celebrates. But the poor and the poor in spirit are those who will inherit the kingdom as heirs. Listen to this, James 2, 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Matthew 5, 1 through 3, this is Jesus starting out the Sermon on the Mount. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated that his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, first thing, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is the needy, the needy for God, the humble, the repentant, the hopeful. Those who do not think they have all they need, but express their need for him. That's who has the kingdom. That's his sons and daughters. It's me, a sinner in need of a savior, a wretched man saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. I'm poor. I'm in complete need of the Holy Spirit to do anything. When I'm, when I'm up here and I'm, and I'm singing or I'm preaching or whatever, all the time, all the time, it's like, I need your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit. When I'm, go, when I'm going home, when I'm dealing with I need your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit. I'm poor. I'm poor. Now, in the stories, occasionally you have the poor, right? The prince and the pauper, the rags to riches. That's also a story that we love. Why is it? Because it's us. Those taken from poverty and made Sons and daughters of the king. By adoption, he's adopted us into his family. It's pretty amazing. I can do nothing without him. Nothing. But with him, I can do whatever he calls me to do. That's amazing. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
That's me. I was the one. I'm in rags. I'm on the street living like the world. And God takes me, not by any merit of my own, but because of his intense, powerful, consuming fire love and makes me a son and makes you a son or a daughter. This story is amazing. And it's not a legend. It is the very truth. That's why it's in your heart. That's why you love to watch The Princess Diaries or whatever. Right? No, I've never seen that. You've seen it, okay? We're his children. Not just his servants, not just his creation, but those created in his image and likeness for him to love to be his children. God could have made us to be worthless. He's a creator. He could have made us to be temporal instead of eternal. He could have done anything he wanted, but, in, but he made us to be his children in his image and likeness and to draw us to himself. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. We've been in Romans studying the letter inspired by the Holy Spirit through Paul to the saints in Rome, to the, to the Christ followers in Rome. We've been studying through what I've been calling the gospel argument, um, which is kind of this, this Paul laying out the gospel sort of in its whole thing, starting out with like why we need the gospel, how broken we are, right? And he's, and he's moved through and he's explained what the gospel is and he's explained how we were slaves to sin and to the body and then how Christ through the Holy Spirit has freed us from that and now we're in this like hope section in chapter eight of Romans, which is like the chapter of the New Testament for a believer to go back to and back to and back to and back to and back to to remember who you are, to have hope for the things that you can't see. It's an amazing, amazing chapter of Scripture. They're all amazing, but this one, mm, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. We're seeing the glory of what it means to be justified and sanctified and made new in the redemption from God in Jesus Christ. We've been separated from the world. That's a pretty amazing thing because the world is so broken. We have been separated from the sinfulness and brokenness of the world. And that, I want to I pause for a second and think about this because that itself can be painful and difficult. Because when you're separated from the world, one of the things you realize, I was talking about this this week because I talk a lot. I was talking about this this week. When you're separated from the world, and you move on a maturity in Christ, what happens is distance starts to form between you and the people who are broken, between you and the people who are immature, between you, because you're, you're going on. See, the narrow road, by its nature, doesn't have as many people on it as the wide road. And part of being separate hurts because we see people on the wide road, right? We see our children, maybe. We see our friends, we see our family, we see people we love, our co-workers, any human being made in the image and likeness of God, we see them over there and we feel our separateness makes us feel bad for them. But that's only when we put our eyes on that road. If we put our eyes on the narrow road and look at where we're going, it's just hope and it's just joy and it's love and it's grace and it's amazing. The, the road we are traveling is filled with so much joy and glory that we will forget all the pain of this world as we fall into the arms of our Lord Jesus for eternity. That's where you're going. And we don't walk alone. I, I know the road's tough, but we don't walk alone. We walk with our Lord and Savior, our shepherd, 
the good shepherd who loves his sheep and the sheep hear his voice. It wasn't that long ago that Glenn taught us in Psalm 23. I'm going to read a little piece of it. Psalm 23, 3 and 4. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. That's that narrow road, right? For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He is with us. And the other amazing blessing, we're with each other. You're not alone. You're not alone. At the end of the day, you have all you need in him. But he's giving you, on top of that, he's giving you gravy. Even more, you have each other. Some of you are like, well, I could do without some of the gravy. I get it. Sometimes I'm difficult. Sometimes y'all are difficult. Uh, But we have each other to walk this road together as sons and daughters. You have to get this in you. Listen, you have to get this in you. Here at the end of the age, you have to get this in you. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You have to get it in you. Because if you don't, how can you face what you got to face if you don't know who your father is? And that he has you. He has you. You need him like a child needs their father. Some of you didn't have good fathers. Some of you weren't good fathers. Sometimes I was a good father. Sometimes I wasn't because I'm a human. He is the good father. You need him. You need him like a child needs his or her father. He loves you better than the best father on earth has ever dreamed of loving his children. You see the father of the year guy is just perfect with the kids. Usually these guys are on Facebook, right? Because they only put the pictures where they're perfect with the kids, right? But you see the father of the year guy, right? That guy, he's not touching our father in heaven. He's not touching it. God provides for you from the abundance that only the creator of the universe owns. That's that's what you have. You have access to the father and he loves you as his child, and he has everything. He smiles at you like a father who's filled with joy to see his children. If you've ever seen even just a kid that's not your own, and it's just like, this is, that is so cute. Don't, you know, a couple minutes later, it's not, you know, but when you have to change a diaper or whatever, in that moment, it's so cute. That's how God looks at you, except times, not even a million, times beyond, times God. That's how he looks at you. You're sitting here feeling not great about yourself sometimes. Meanwhile, your father is going, I love you. And he's looking at you with a smile that only a proud father can have. I don't mean prideful. I mean, he's just so filled with his love for you. You got to get this in you. You got to get this in you. Let's listen to the scriptures in Romans 8. We're going to read verses 14 through 17 today. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the pockets of those seats. You can use one if you want. You can look at the screen. You can look at your phone. I don't really care, but paper Bibles are nice. And if you don't have one at home, please take one of those with you. That's our gift to you. You don't owe us anything for it. You need to have the word of God in your home. Okay? I exhort you. You need to have the word of God in your home for yourself for your family, for your children, for your friends. You need to have the word of God in your home. Take it home with you if you don't have one. Romans 8, starting at verse 14, going through 17. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now you have to understand culturally, right? What's the, what's the context? Who's the inheritor? The son. 
right? That's the way they did it. I don't, I don't think that we're worked up here about the male-female thing of sons. What we're talking about is you're the heir, you're the inheritor, sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. If you are in Christ, you are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit who teaches you and trains you and gives you the power to overcome the flesh and sin. When you do the things that you ought to do, that is a Spirit drawing you and you in your soul, sowing the Spirit and doing those things. He is the one. If you're a Christ follower, he is the one who's giving you the ability to go and go and go. It's him. He's leading you. You're led by the Spirit. And you're not a slave to fear. You're not in bondage to fear. What do the sons and daughters of the King of Kings have to fear? We're his. We have nothing to fear. We fear no evil. None. We don't fear it. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. We're going to talk about his rod in a minute. Right now, we're talking about his staff leading us, comforting us. The rod gets used for other things, even in the valley of the shadow of death, because we are people of light and of life, not like the world, darkness and death. You got to understand, this isn't, this isn't just a story. This is reality. This is reality. Why do you think Lord of the Rings is like the second best-selling book to the Bible? Because it's laying out ideas that are the framework for the reality that we live in. The darkness, the light. God who is good. Satan who is evil. The defeating of darkness with light. The coming of the king. All of these things. The reason, the reason we're drawn to it. Believers, unbelievers are drawn to it because it is the reality that's real. It is a reality. We do not have to live in fear. We do not have a spirit of fear. Our spirit has been made alive in the Holy Spirit. Listen. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. What's he given us? It says, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the spirit you have. Now, you can live in the body. The body has all kinds of fears. Body will betray you. We've talked about that for weeks now. The body's got all kinds of fear. You can live in that, and you can live in fear, or you can live in the spirit in which there is no fear. None. What's the worst that can happen? Get killed? You're with the Lord. For to me, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Right? It's like, no, I don't want to be killed. I don't want you to be killed either. But I'm not going to sit here in fear when I know that death is actually better than life in this scenario. I can't lose. I can't lose. When I do business with people, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney, a liar, a lawyer. And so... <laughs> And so when I've dealt over the years with people in business, you always want the scenario where if you win, you win, but if you lose, you win. That's always a scenario we're trying to work out. Like, let's shore up every side. Here's the deal. If to live is to win, to win those to Christ, to do the Great Commission, to go therefore, right? Making disciples for Jesus. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all that he has commanded. For lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's what you're doing if you live. But if you die, you're with him. What is it that you're fearing again? I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to make it this month. I don't know if you are either. I don't know. If you came here for me to tell you you're going to have enough money this month, you came to the wrong place. I don't know. If you really are in need, let your brothers and sisters know. That's why we're walking the path together. 
but don't fear it. Sons and daughters of the king of kings, what are you afraid of? Nothing. You don't have a spirit of fear. We received the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit was given to us. God gave himself for us. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. And then he also gave himself to us, that his Holy Spirit is with us to seal us as his children. We cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Oh, how much. For those of you who have, have lost your fathers, you're old enough to where your fathers passed away, and you had maybe a, a pretty good father, to just be able to say, Daddy, again, and give him a hug, right? Like there's something about that relationship with your father that you either didn't have and wanted or had at some level and wish you could have back or still have and don't take it for granted. But it doesn't come close to Abba, Father. He is there for you in that way like no one else could ever be. There's a reason why he identifies this thing. There's a reason why he set us up in families the way he did. It's all about him and who he is. We cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit confirms to your spirit that you are children and we need him. As the scriptures just said, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Yes, we are heirs. You will suffer with him in the fallen world, okay? I, I don't want you to, and I, and I know I, I'm not, you don't usually pull punches about this, but you, know, you came to church today, and I'm going to tell you the bad news. Bottom line is this. You live in a fallen world. We're here to rescue the lost, not here to be like, yeah, baby, this is great. If you think the world is great, like everything that's going on is great, people are basically good. I wonder if people are still saying that. I've heard that all through my life. People are basically good, like, yeah, in your super rich neighborhood where nobody shows any of this bad stuff, but only, you know, in your Facebook world where it's only the good pictures or whatever, maybe you think that, but oh my gosh, are you kidding me? People are basically good. No, we're here to save people. We're here to be used by God to save people. Your heirs, you will suffer with him in this fallen world. The evil men and women of this world are scoffers and fools. That's what the scripture says. They will look at you and your commitment to Jesus Christ, to being a Christ follower, and they will laugh at you. They'll laugh at you. They will call you names. They will reject you. They will mock you. Sound familiar? Because they did it to your king. They did it to the king of kings. They did it all to him when he came to save them and to save you. Maybe some of you did it to other Christ followers before the Lord saved you. Maybe some of us were that way. Mocking, scoffers, fools. I was. I was a fool. But Christ saved me. You will suffer with him because the world is evil and dark. But when Abba, Father, comes back, no one's mocking you then. No one's mocking you then. When you're glorified together with Christ, they will see what they cannot see now in the deadness of their spirit because they're spiritually dead. They can't see the reality that we understand and that we know that you are an heir of God. As an attorney, I've written a lot of wills, many wills. Don't call me afterwards to write your will. I'm very expensive. You're like, All right, is he being serious? You can call me if you want, if you have a lot of money. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Gosh, I'm going to get emails now. In the will, 
in the will, a person names their heirs, okay? Their heirs are those who will inherit whatever they've saved up in this world. That's their heirs. That's, that's legally what your heirs are. It's usually split equally between children, in my experience, except sometimes that one kid, you know? You know what I'm saying. There's sometimes that one kid. But usually it's split up equally between the children. Um, we do not inherit as heirs here scripturally. We do not inherit the things that moth and rust destroy and that thieves break in and steal. No. And we don't inherit from parents who have passed away in the scripture here. What we inherit is the eternal kingdom of the living God as sons and daughters, as his children, with so much more than you can now see. You don't even get it. Many of us would love to be heirs to a very substantial will. It would make things easier, for sure. We could, we could give it and do all kinds of ministry. Maybe, you know, buy a boat. I don't know, whatever you like. Being an heir sounds good. Free money, right? Sounds great. You have no idea what you are in for as heirs of God. You have no idea. That's what this hope is about. That this whole chapter is building that. What is the hope? This whole, the whole section of Scripture is about who you really are. We hope for what we know, but what we have not yet seen. We've seen enough to know that the Scripture is true. And because we know that the Scripture is true, we can hope for that which we have not seen. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You have no clue. Go ahead. Let your imagine, imagination run crazy. The best things you could ever think of. Okay? Just like chocolate fountains and I don't know what you like. Chocolate, you know, I've been on keto. The chocolate fountain sounds good. Cheat day was yesterday, though, so that was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Nothing like a cheat day. I'll tell you that right now. We're not going to get into that right now. But anyway, heaven is like a cheat day. No, it's not. It's not. It's much better. No matter how mature you are. Let me explain. You may be in Christ, have been in Christ a long time and be very mature. I hope you are. You don't fully know. You cannot fully know how good God is. You just can't. It can, you cannot get it yet. That's what eternity is for, to realize it. You do not know how glorious and good the things are that he has prepared for those who love him. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs according to the promise. Your inheritance is yours and it is sure. And it is amazing. Galatians 4, just a few verses later, 3 through 7. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons, as heirs. And because you were sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, there are multiple passages where the same truth is being brought to us. It has to get in you. You have to get it in you. You have to understand it. I know what it's like to live as a slave to fear. I don't know if you know, but I do. I've experienced it in bondage to the world, to the flesh. I know what it's like to realize that living in sin is death and to need God like I need breath. I understand that. I know what it's like to be gloriously and wonderfully saved by his grace and mercy. 
not of my works, but by grace. I know what it is. I want you to know what it is. I am learning now what it is like to be a son. And it is the most transformational, powerful thing that I have experienced in a long time to start to get this in me. Because just like you, it's hard. The world's hard. Dealing with stuff is hard. But knowing that I'm a son and being able to look down the narrow path and see what God has for me and live in that, it will change you. It will change you. A true child of God. It's transforming. I have strength in God that I do not have in myself, and that is growing. I'm becoming less and less dependent on me and more and more dependent on him. And here's the thing. I fail all the time, but he never does. He always comes through. His grace, his mercy, his love, they always come through. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to get this peace that passes understanding in the midst of storms that would have floored me, would have crushed me if I was not his child. If I was not his child, if I was not his son, I would be crushed by the things of the world. I'm beginning to understand that which I hope to understand more and more and more as eternity folds out in front of us. And as I get to know the Lord forever and ever going deeper and deeper in the love and knowledge of God. I am so looking forward to eternity. I'm in it. I'm so looking forward to as it comes because I get to know God more and more. I get to understand what it means to be his son, his child, more and more and more. You get to understand what it means to be his son or his daughter more and more and more for eternity. Just growing in joy, pleasures forevermore. It's amazing. I'm grateful for it. More than I can even like feel with emotions, more than I can even express other than to say, Abba, Father, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving me so much. It's a joy beyond joy. And it's a hope that anchors me to a reality that I cannot see. If I'm not anchored to it, if I'm not anchored to it, I can be moved around by the world. But if I'm anchored to this reality, if I keep going back to it and back to it and back to it, remember who I am, then when the storms come, they can't throw me anywhere. I cannot be moved if I'm in Christ. I can be moved all over the place if I'm in me. But I cannot be moved if I'm in Christ. I'm anchored. What does the world look like right now? They're all over the place. They're not anchored. But you, if you're a child of God, if you've confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're saved. Then the Holy Spirit is yours. And he's leading you. And you can live to the Spirit. And you can be anchored in this truth. And if you're anchored in this truth, you don't move around like the world. You see the news and you go, man, that's a bummer. But you don't go, whoo! That's what the world does. You go, I know what's coming. It's going to get a lot worse than this. It's a bummer. But I'm, that's not for me. I'm not a child of wrath. I'm a child of God. Yeah, you can clap that you're a child of God. It's a pretty good thing. It's a pretty good thing. Listen, I want to live as a child of God all the days of my life, all the days of eternity. It is a blessing and a gift I can't measure. I can't understand it. I don't know why he gave it to me other than that he is so good and gracious. This is for those who want to become mature. This today, this is for those who want to become mature, for those who want to understand the deep things of God. Is starting to understand this. For others 
who just want God to make everything comfortable in this fallen world so they can get comfy in the fallen world, or you just want stuff, or you just want power, you want respect, you want health. All that's rubbish, as the Apostle Paul would say, because he was English. No, he wasn't. I might use a different word. Um, it's, it's worthless, okay? It's worthless. The prosperity gospel that you see on TV sometimes, serving God is about being healthy and wealthy. What a childish theology. What a childish theology. I'm not here to get on other people. I mean, they're wrong. I mean, dead wrong. And they're leading people completely away from this kind of truth. Get stuff. Get stuff. Your life's going to all work out for good. No, it's not. Some of it's going to be bad. But the, the heart of it, what you're anchored to, oh, it's so good. Not because you're going to get a new car. You get a car and you get a car. No. I'm not Oprah. I'm not here to, you're not going to look under your seat and you won something. Okay? It's not the way it's going to work. It's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. You're already an heir if you're in Christ. You're already in him. You don't need anything else. You don't even need life. Like I said, you lose that, you're with him. He who tries to save his life, he's going to lose it. He who loses his life, he's going to gain. Give it up. Stop worrying about all that. Stop thinking all your time about all that and start thinking about who you are in Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. That's when he loved you. When you were your worst, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're not in this nasty little world. That's not where you are. Spiritually, you are already connected to the Holy Spirit. You are already, the heavenly places, that's, that's in you right now. You got to live to it in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You are raised up. You are sealed. You are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Who cares what kind of car you're driving? Who cares? You raised up with Christ, seated in the heavenly places. He's going to, for eternity, be showing you the riches that he has. Who cares about the stuff that rust destroys, that moths eat up, that thieves steal? You're a son or a daughter of God. You don't have a spirit of fear. You have a power. You have a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. According to the scriptures, that's what it says. And that's the word of God. That's who you are. So, this is where we have to go kind of the other way. You might want to put your seatbelt on. You're a child of God, which means we don't live like the sons of disobedience. We're, we're children of the king, children of obedience. We don't live like the sons of disobedience in this world. Let me just tell you something. It does not become you. As your brother in Christ, as your pastor, it does not become you when you live like the world. It does not become you. You are of the royal house of the king of kings. And that's not just some weird line from Lord of the Rings. You're of the royal house of Elrindil. No, you are of the royal house of the king of kings. You are God's child. Living like the people of the world does not become you. It does not. 
Because there's another side of being a true child of God, of being true children of God, and that's the chastening. There's a rod and a staff, you may recall. Once you're his son or his daughter, you're his forever. You're his. There's no getting out of it. You're his forever. You're saved and redeemed, and you will be transformed. You will be transformed. You cannot resist him without chastening any more than you can resist any good father without chastening. He has chosen you as his children. He will transform you into his true sons and daughters. I'm going to read a longer passage of scripture here because what the scripture has to say is much better than what I have to say. Let's listen to it. This is Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. He's telling you, this is what it looks like to be a child of God. Walk in love. But fornication, this is an old word, means having sex outside of marriage. And all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, or unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. Why are they an idolater? Because they're worshiping those things rather than God. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience because this is the way they're living. Therefore, because of that, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. It, it is an amazing thing to search the Scriptures, find out what is acceptable to the Lord, and do it. Believe and do. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which were done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You think? Real evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You can't be drunk with wine, with porn, with sex addiction, with video game addiction, with whatever. Gambling, you know, whatever. Gossip, envy. You can't be filled with these things that are the flesh and at the same time be living to the Spirit. You're going to have to pick one. Live like the sons of disobedience for whom wrath is coming or live like children of the King. you got to pick one. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You are children. You are children of God. Be imitators of God. Look, when I was a boy, it's a long time ago, I wanted to be like my daddy. I wanted to be like my father. I'm still trying. He's better than me. He's much nicer than me. You guys are like, yeah, that's true. You're not doing a very good job. Hey, listen, it takes a lifetime, okay? We should be walking in the light that Christ gives us. In righteousness, 
We are sons and daughters of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us should be walking around looking like sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience are about to receive the wrath of God. That's clear. Why? For their disobedience. They're the ones who need the gospel. You already have it. You've already become heirs. What are you doing? They refuse. The sons of disobedience refuse to be his children. And they will be the objects of justice and wrath. But that's not you if you're in Christ. So why would you want to walk around looking like them? You are a son or daughter saved by grace. Why would you let your life look like their lives? It does not become you as children of God. So repent. Repent. Before God brings you to repentance through chastening. I have been there. I have been there. And it hurts. It hurts. God has had to break me. My pride and selfishness and lack of humility and self-righteousness. And I don't have the hours to say all the words that he's had to break me from. Do not force your father in heaven to discipline you. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If then you were raised with Christ, which you were, as we know, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. What happens when we set our minds on the things of the earth? What happens when we set our minds on the body? Sin, 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 sin. What happens when you set your minds on things above? Good. Righteousness. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died. You died to yourself when you became alive in Christ. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do you understand that? You're, you're heirs with Christ. When he appears, you will appear with him in glory. Therefore, because of that, since you know that, you're going to appear with Christ in glory. What are you going to be wearing? The clothes of the kingdom or the rags of the world? You think he's going to let you wear the rags of the world? No. He's going to chasten you until you get them off and put on the royal clothes. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, again, uncleanness, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. This sounds really familiar. We saw it in Romans 1. We've seen it in these two passages. Understand what they are like and what you are like. In which you yourselves once walked. Yeah, I can tell you all about it. But why would I? I'd rather tell you about the glory that has come from the grace that God has given me. Which you, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, knock it off. Wrath, come on. Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with its deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. We're supposed to look like him. We're supposed to be walking around like children of the king. We are clothed with righteousness, not sin. Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, because of that, therefore as the elect of God, that's you if you're in Christ, Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, 
meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. It's a little admonishing that we need to be doing with one another. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's all here. It's all here. This is how we are to live. Not like the sons of disobedience who are doing the things that are bringing the wrath of God. It's not you. That's your old life. That is your old life. Why would you walk into it again? You came out of filthiness. You got cleaned up. This is like the dog, right? Anybody ever pay to get their dog groomed? It's very, if you have huskies, don't have huskies. Let me just tell you right now. Just don't have huskies, okay? But they're expensive. You get them in there. They clean them up. Oh, they come back. They smell nice. So they put a little bow on them. It's the first thing that dog wants to do. Go root around in the flower bed, if not the poop pile, right? Go eat stuff out of the cat litter box. It's really gross. <laughs> then come lick you. It's not good. And it's funny with a dog. It's not funny with you. It's not funny to go back and live the old life. <laughs> You've been saved. You've been saved. You're not like them. You're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Love each other. Live lives of holiness. Listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. Stop living for the right now and the right here. I know it's difficult. I know. I have a body too. I know it's difficult. But stop chasing after idols you have made to your temporary comfort so you can be comfortable in this world. You're not supposed to be comfortable in this world. James 4, 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It's very simple. You want to be with these folks like the sons of disobedience? Give us a king. We want to live like them. I want to be comfortable. I don't care about the long term. I don't care about eternity. I just want right now, you're an adulterer or an adulteress if that's where you are. You're trying to be friends of the world and becoming an enemy of God. God who saved you, that's how you want to live? No. No, I'm over it. I'm over it. We've got stuff to do. I'm over it for myself. I'm over it for you. I'm over it for the Christians all over the world. I'm over hearing about this pastor that fell and that pastor that fell and this Christian. This. I'm over it. Who are we? We're children of God. That's right. We're children of God. I'm not here to hurt you. But I am your brother in Christ, and I will not stand by while my brothers and sisters walk around in the rags of the world living in sin. I am not going to go out with my brothers and sisters and let us dishonor the one who has saved us by walking around looking like the sons of disobedience. That's over, guys. You're to be clothed with a glorious clothing of righteousness that is given to you in the power of his Holy Spirit. Listen to Hebrews. This is Hebrews 12, 1 through 11. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I get it. It easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. Endurance. You've got to keep going the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, 
Remember, what are we looking at down that narrow road? We're looking under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down to the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become discouraged in your souls. It's hard. I know it's hard. Life's coming at you. Your phone keeps throwing those images in front of you. It's difficult. The world's against you. I get it. It's hard. But listen to what it says. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. He knows it was hard. Our God literally put himself in a position where he could empathize with our own weaknesses. So think about that. You, you have not yet resisted to the bloodshed striving against sin. He resisted the bloodshed. You haven't yet resisted the bloodshed. It's not beyond what you're capable of doing in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not. You can do it. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And scourges every son whom he receives. You know what scourging is? It hurts. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, all children of God are partakers of chastening. If you think that there are some Christians who have never been chastened and others who have, that's not true. Why? Because we all end up with a sin that so easily ensnares us. Trust me. And I also know the chastening. And so do you if you've been in Christ very long. Of which all have become partakers. Then you are illegitimate if you're not partaking in that. And not sons. If you're able to sin and sin and live and and nothing, it's just going great. Things are going great. Like you're like, hey, this sinning thing is amazing. You're not a child. It's that simple. If you can go on and on and on and on and on and sin. And like, this is great. I'm doing well. Now, if you're in the church and that's going on, it's not going to be great. Because I'm not going to let it be. And I hope you wouldn't let it be for me. That's our job with one another. But if it is, it's just great. Then you're not a child. You need to get saved today. So the chastening can come. Listen why, though. Listen why. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. But listen. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I don't want the chastening. I don't want the chastening. You want the fruit? You got to pay to play. You got to pay to play. That's my law partner used to always say. You got to pay to play. You want to be in Christ? You're in Christ? There's no getting out of it. The chastening is coming for your benefit. Your, your dad, mom, whoever, probably did some chastening. A lot of them don't do it very well because they're humans and they're sinners. They don't do it right, right? Some of them do. Some of them don't. They do it as, as it says here. They think best for a little while. But your father in heaven, he knows exactly perfectly how to chasten you. Perfectly how to chasten you. Why? For the fruitfulness that comes of righteousness through it, Right?
The peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The sons get chased and then it hurts. If you're living like the sons of disobedience today, do me a favor. Let this sermon be your chastening and let it be over with that. Do not persist. It's just going to get more painful. If the Holy Spirit is hitting you right now, turn and repent. It's going, this is the easiest it's going to get. This is the easiest it's going to get. It's only going to get worse from here. It's painful to me to know that some of my brothers and sisters are walking around living like their former selves instead of living in the joy of the Lord. It's painful. You don't know. You, you don't know. You don't have to know. It's not your responsibility to know what it's like. But as your pastor, it is painful. It's painful when I know that there's sin going on in somebody's life. And I'm thinking, but God loves them so much. I've seen the things that God has done in their life. Why, why are they turning aside? Why are they going back and putting on? Why are they rooting around in the flower pit or worse? Why? It's painful. It's painful. So stop and turn. Let's end all of that today. Ask forgiveness from the Lord. Run from sinfulness into the arms of God. The prodigal son did it. It worked out very well for him. You're his children. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. You are his children, his heirs. He died for you. He rose again. I want to glorify the Lord with you and live with you and walk with you in joy. I don't want to chastise you. I don't want to rebuke you. I want to have joy with you. When I come in to this place and we gather together, all I want to do is talk about the hope and the joy and all the good part of being heirs. I don't want to have to sit here with a rod. We have work to do. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. You cannot live like sons of disobedience. We need to get it right. I want to walk freely and confidently as heirs alongside you. Don't grieve God. Don't grieve your brothers and sisters. Don't grieve the, elder, grieve the elders and the pastors and the deacons and the leaders who are here, who are praying for you, who are trying to serve you. Don't grieve them. Ask for help if you need help. If you have sin in your life and you're really struggling, ask for help. We'll pray for you. We'll come alongside you. Go into the prayer room and ask for prayer. Email me. Talk to one of the elders. We'll help you. But don't walk in the ways of the world, in which is dissipation, the sons of disobedience. You're heirs and children and sons and daughters of God. I love you so much. God loves you so much. He loves you way more, much more than I ever could. Now, if you don't know Jesus, or you're not sure if you're a Christ follower, not sure if you have the Holy Spirit leading you as a son or a daughter, you can be certain of that today. Listen, Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, with your, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. As we end the worship service today, or if you're online, put it in the comments for us. Go back in the prayer room and pray with someone. Accept the love and grace Jesus has for you and become an heir of God today. I'll walk with you. These people here will walk with you. Millions of other Christ followers all over the world, your brothers and sisters in Christ will walk with you no matter how much the world mocks, no matter how much it hates us, no matter how much it persecutes us, no matter how silly we look. When the Lord comes and people see how upside down the world is and we're the ones walking right side up as heirs of God, they're not going to mock anymore. And we'll walk with you. We'll walk with you. 
If you are following Jesus, if you are living as a Christ follower, be encouraged that you're his children. If you are a Christ follower who has been ensnared by sin, repent, confess, it's going to be gone. I'm not going to remember it. God doesn't want to remember it. We want to move on. This isn't about you having to suffer under some sort of shame. This is about turning and repenting. Your sin will be forgiven and you can start fresh today. You can start fresh today. Many days I've had to start fresh. Let's pray.